We do welcome you this morning to the kickoff of the Christmas season, and we are so glad that you're here and part of that. This morning, we look at the Word of God. We turn to a brand new series of messages, the eyewitness to Christmas, Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. It says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. He had a wife and the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all of the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and, fell upon, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have much joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the people a God prepared, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went home to his, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, thus, says, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among the people. May the Lord bless and use his word in our lives today. Amen. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 1 uh, together uh, this morning. Uh, I don't know whether anyone has asked you yet, but I promise you that before this month is over, dozens of individuals will walk up to you and ask you a very simple question. Are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready for Christmas? Now, when, when people ask you that thing, that they could mean several different things. Uh, they, they could be meaning if, if you're a school teacher, or are you ready for Christmas? And before you finish that sentence, they're going to say Yes. Uh, now, if they're a parent, 
They may say, no, no, I'm not quite ready uh, for Christmas. Uh, maybe when they ask you, are you ready for Christmas, uh, what they mean is, do you have all of your shopping done? Do you have all of your cooking done and taken care of? Are you ready for Christmas? Maybe when they ask you, are you ready for, for Christmas, uh, maybe what they're talking about is, do you have everything decorated? Do you have the house decorated? Do you have all of your bathrooms decorated for Christmas? Are all the lights out front? Do you have a, a, full, uh, do you have a full amusement park in your front yard uh, with, with lights and sounds and all of those things? Are you ready for Christmas? Maybe what they're asking you is, have you come to fulfill the right amount of Christmassy spirit in your life. So the question this morning is, are you ready for Christmas? Now, we do have the advantage about being ready for Christmas in that we know when Christmas is coming. Uh, do you know that it's on the 25th this year? It's on every single calendar. It's on the same day every single year. We can see Christmas coming. And so really, if someone says to us, are you ready for Christmas? And we say, well, no, I'm not ready for Christmas. You're like, well, it's been on the calendar all year long. How can you miss it? Are you ready for Christmas? But it does make me wonder, well, what if somebody asked you, are you ready for Christmas before the first Christmas? How would you answer that? Are you ready for Christmas before Christmas ever happened? You see, at its core, Christmas is this incredible moment when God breaks into this world in a way that he never has before. You see, Christmas is the moment when the God of this world becomes the God in this world. Christmas is the moment when the God of the universe becomes the God in the neighborhood. It is the moment when God becomes up close and personal. It is the moment when God becomes flesh and lives among us. And so, even before Christmas came, the question is, are you ready to experience the presence of God, the reality of God, the closeness of God in a way that you've never experienced it before? Are you ready for the breaking in of God into your life this morning? Are you ready for Christmas? As we take a look at this opening passage of Luke's Christmas story. As he gets us ready for this passage, I want you to see some things about what is happening as God is about to chisel his way into this world and to break into this world. Uh, the first thing that I want you to notice is God breaks in at the most surprising places. If you take a look at your passage of Scripture this morning, you see in Luke chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, In the days of Herod the king of Judea. Now, it's not surprising that the story would begin there with Herod because he was, what do you say, king of Judea. Uh, he, he was the boss man. He was the most important person there. You measured time by who was the person sitting on the throne. Now, Herod is an interesting guy because he wants, to, he wants to be the king in Jerusalem. He wants to be that person, but he's actually not even Jewish. He, he comes from a neighboring community. He, he's actually not really a king. He's more of a puppet 
of Rome. Sometimes he has business cards printed out that says Herod the Great. And he's not. Uh, in fact, Herod uh, is one of the dark characters of all of history. Uh, he, he tried to kind of plaster himself as a really great king because he invested money and rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. But at the same time, he was also building pagan temples uh, as well. And Herod was a dark guy. You, you'll hear some other stories about Herod in the Christmas season as well. But, but Herod was a, was a paranoid guy. And as he came to the end of his life, he said, you know what, I don't know whether people love me. And if I were to die, I don't know if that many people will, will really miss me. And I don't know whether people are going to be upset on the day that I die. And so Herod arrested people in all different kinds of communities with the plan that says, on the day that I die, execute them so that I know people will be weeping and crying and mourning on the day that I die. Not king, not Jewish, and not great. The story is absolutely fantastic as Luke writes the story. He says, you know Herod? Yeah, it's not about him. And he says, now, do you know Zacharias the priest? And the answer to this is no. Never heard of him. He says, well, the story is about him. It's not about Herod. It's not about the person who calls themselves a king. It's not about the person who calls himself uh, the, the great. It's not about a person who sits on a throne. You know, Herod, it's not about him. But let me tell you about a priest from the backwaters of Judea. Now, the thing about it is, is Zechariah was about as polar opposite of a person as Herod as you could possibly find. First of all, his family tree well, it was a family tree that a lot of people would be jealous of. He, he, he was a priest, which meant that he was a direct descendant from Aaron. It was a high, honored position. Not only was he Jewish, but he, but he was connected to the priest. He was connected all the way to Aaron. He was connected to Moses' family. It's a big deal. On top of that, Zechariah married Elizabeth and she was a descendant from Aaron. And she was from the, the, the livelihood and the, the, the line of the priests. So man, when you looked at this young couple, a priest marrying the daughter of a priest, I mean, you just kind of looked at them. These, this is the, the, the couple most likely, look at them. They're, 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 they, they are the ones that have it together. But more importantly, it wasn't what everybody else said about them. It's what God said about them. You see, God calls them righteous. Now, there's a lot of times that we can say, oh, that's a good person. Those are good folks. But, but do you know the word righteous means? Good is when we call somebody good. Righteous is when God calls somebody good. And God, in this narrative of this story, says Elizabeth and Zechariah are righteous. They are good in his eyes. They are blameless in the fact that they follow the commandments. So even though they're in a little town, there's a place that, that no one's ever heard of they're where, where they're from. We're not even sure where on the map that it belongs. But they're the exact opposite of Herod. Now, this doesn't mean that they don't live with some disappointment. In fact, I think Zechariah deals with a couple different places 
of disappointment. One of the things that's interesting is that there, there were actually so many descendants of Aaron that they had to take turns that they would serve in the temple for one week. And they would have different tasks when they would have. And there was a task of going in to the holy place and offering incense. And it was such an honor that it was determined that you could only do it one time in your life. Zechariah has never done it. He's been a priest all of his adult life. He is now an old man. Every year when he goes and they draw the lots of who gets to go into the temple, his name has never been called. Year after year, this high honor of being able to go into the holy place and offer the incense, to offer the sacrifice, literally a once-in-a-lifetime experience, it has never happened. I think based on his age, Nearly all of his peers, the guys his age, he's watched them have their number called and go in. He's watched his peers' sons have their number called, and his number has never been called. I think he's watched his peers' grandsons get called. Year after year, after year, the great honor, the great privilege, the great working of his calling. He's never been able to do. I don't know how deeply he carried that. But if I'm Zacharias, I pack my bag, I go to Jerusalem, it's my week. I know the big thing, once in a lifetime is to go in and offer the sacrifice. And they draw the lots year after year after year after year. He packs his bag and goes home. Elizabeth says, did your name get called? No. No, it's a privilege just to be there. Year after year, his name is not called. I don't know how deeply that impacted him, but I know that there was a second disappointment in his life, and that's that he and Elizabeth had never had a child. Oh, they hungered for a child. It just seemed like the thing that they wanted. It was the thing that they could pass on their lineage as the, 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 the son of a priest, as the daughter of a priest, to pass it on and to continue that line. It's a natural thing to desire that in your life. And it never happened. You know, we carry disappointments like that sometimes. There are a whole host of things that, that we can find disappointing. Sometimes we haven't had the success in our workplace or financially that we thought we were going to be able to have. Sometimes there's a breaking of a relationship that we never imagined that we would have to face. Sometimes there's a, a sickness or an illness or, or a loss that comes. We carry that with us. And it's heavy. 
And not only do we have to deal with that disappointment, but we also have to deal with that puzzle. Why? Now, Zechariah doesn't know that Scripture is going to call him righteous and blameless before the law, but he's got an idea. I'm heading in the right direction. I've committed my life to the things of God, to the Word of God. I've tried to live that out as clearly as I possibly can. And my number's never been called. And the thing that we wanted most in life never happened. He carries that. Some of you are carrying some heavy disappointment that could even be a puzzle in your life as well. Why is this happening? But I want you to know that God breaks in at the most surprising places. I also want you to know that God breaks in at the most unexpected times. God breaks in at the most unexpected times. Here it is, Zachariah. His number is called. He has been selected by Lot. The once-in-the-lifetime moment is it. He is going in to the holy place to offer the sacrifice. Man, he's got to be excited about that moment. It's got to be a big deal, and he has probably worked out, okay, I'm going to walk in, and I'm going to do this here, and, and I want to make sure that I don't drop this, and I do this, and he's got all these things going. He, he has rehearsed this literally for a lifetime. Here is the moment, deep breath. He walks in to do the thing that he's been waiting to do all of his life, and he's interrupted. Because the angel of the Lord stands before him just to the side of that altar. Zechariah, don't be afraid. He says, your prayers have been answered. Your prayers have been answered. You are going to have a child. It's a stunning moment. We're going to see in just a moment how stunning this moment is. But the angel of the Lord says to Zechariah, your prayer has been answered. You are going to have a child. Again, all we know is they're old. I'm sorry, advanced in years. That's all we know. We don't know how gray they are, but they're advanced in years. I don't know if Zachariah even remembers the last time he prayed for a child. There is a season in which you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray, and it's all that you pray about. And then tick tock, time passes. I don't think Zacharias has prayed for this prayer in a long time. A really long time. In fact, so much so that he just mind blown. And he says to the angel of the Lord, how am I going to know that this is true? How am I going to know that this is true? 
You know, sometimes I understand these kinds of questions. I understand Moses and his questions. I understand all kinds of questions. I understand this is impossible. This is beyond my capability. Is this really happening? I, are you sure? Did I misunderstand this? Am I dreaming this? All those kinds of I understand all of those questions. But Zechariah says, how am I going to know that this is going to happen? The angel, you almost can hear the angel saying, oh, I don't know, maybe an angel will show up from the very presence of God and tell you out loud in the holy place, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> like, what more do you want, Zachariah? I mean, you're in the holy place, an angel who says, I just came from the presence of God, and I'm telling you that he's heard and answered your prayers. What more do you want? An angel from the presence of God has just told you. There's one more reason why Zechariah should have known. <laughs> you know what Zechariah's name means? God remembers. God remembers. Zechariah may not remember the last time he prayed for a child, but God remembers. God remembers. Zechariah is so stunned. The word of God comes to him and says, you're going to have a child. And you're going to rejoice. And you're going to be glad. And many people are going to rejoice and be glad. Because not only are they going to be happy for you, but this son is going to have a profound spiritual role in history. He is going to awaken the spiritual life of his generation. He is going to turn people's hearts back to the things of God. And he is going to prepare the way from when God himself breaks into this world. There's a little bit of debate. As I was studying in this week, there's a little bit of debate as to what prayer it was that Zechariah is getting answered. You see, there was an assignment as the priest would come in, that the assignment was that the priest would offer the incense and that he would pray on behalf of the people and that he would pray looking forward to the breaking in of God into this world. And there are some folks, more folks than I, than I thought, that said, he's not really saying your prayer about your child is being answered. It is your prayer about the messianic hope that's being prepared. And I read that, I thought, man, I've gotten that wrong all these years. And then I went back to the text. I'm like, no, I was right. He says, your prayers have been answered. You and Elizabeth are going to have a child, and you're going to be so excited about this child, and this child is going to do these things. The prayer that's answered is the child. That's what it is. But here's the wonder. Here's the wonder. God's plans and God ble God's blessings for your life will always be part of a larger story. God's plans and God's blessings for your life, your life, your life, your life, your life, will always be part of a larger work that he's doing. 
Don't get this wrong. I mean, God loves you. But his existence is not to give you a good day. He loves you. He desires good for you. But you're not the center of the universe. I'm not the center of the universe. He is the center of the universe. Now, I believe that when he says, your prayers have been answered, it is the prayers for a child. I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. It's, it's what it says right here. But at the same time, the goodness that God was going to pour into their lives was going to be part of the larger work of God in this world. And it was going to be good for an entire generation, for an entire nation. It was going to be good that would trickle all the way down to us. God breaks in at the most unexpected of times. And I would tell you that God breaks in for the most unexpected audience. I've been preaching about Christmas for a long time now. It's, it's almost 30 years of Christmas sermons. And usually I'll preach two or three Christmas sermons a year. It's a lot of Christmas sermons. This is one of my favorite passages of the Word of God. I love preaching about Zechariah and Elizabeth. I love preaching about the idea that God answered prayers that they forgot that they had ever prayed. I love it. But the freshness this week that I had never seen or paid attention to before is the crowd that's waiting outside the temple. It says there was a multitude there that was waiting. Now what they're waiting is that they're waiting for, okay, it's that time. The priest is going in. I wonder who the priest is this time. Okay, I don't know who that guy is, but I'm sure he'll do a great job. He goes in. They know that he goes in. They've been watching this every single day, all of their lives. He goes in. There's a certain amount of time that it takes to set up the, the, the altar, the incense. He, he, he makes the sacrifice to the incense. The incense goes up. You see the smoke. Except Zechariah went in. Man, they must have picked the wrong guy. He doesn't even know how to start the sacrifice. And they're waiting. And they're waiting for the smoke. And there begins to be this scurry and this disturbance outside. What is happening? And they come back. He comes back out. And they say he has seen a vision. He has seen a vision. I think what I love is the reminder that as much as we talk about all of the people that weren't paying attention to the things of God, even though we talk about when Jesus comes that there are so many people that miss him, there are so many people that don't follow, there are so many people who stand opposed to Jesus, there's a multitude outside the temple of faithful people who are waiting and who are aching to hear from God. I am grateful for the faithful people who showed up this morning. Who are waiting and aching to hear from God. It is right and it is good. 
But I'm also, I also believe that there's a whole nother congregation. I don't mean the 1045 folks. I, I mean, there's a whole nother congregation that are waiting and aching and hoping and seeking for the possibility of God breaking into this world. And they're waiting for someone to tell them that God has broken in. Now they may not know where to gather. They, they may not know what to do to express that waiting and that hoping. And in fact, some of those people that are waiting and hoping are chasing some of the wrong stuff. But their hearts ache for the things that only God can fulfill. I want you to know that that's our task as a church, to help those folks know that hope is here, to help those folks know that God loves them and God has called them to be a saint and that they are welcome right here next to us. There's a whole multitude outside of this church waiting to know whether we have heard from God and whether we have a word for them. That's a challenge to me. It's a challenge to our church today. We, we, we kind of jumped over the fact that when Zacharias asked, how am I going to know the angel says, listen, I just came from the throne room. I didn't stop anywhere. I came straight here. He told me I came. I told you exactly what he was. And he says, because, because you do not believe, you will be silent. You will be unable to speak. You'll be unable to speak until it's fulfilled. Now, that's pretty frustrating. You finally have the greatest story of your life, and you can't tell anybody, at least for now, at least not out loud. And there's a lot of people that have asked God, why, how, how am I supposed to know? Why? Why, I won't quite call it the hammer, but, but I'll call it the baby hammer. Why, why, why does the, why, why does Zacharias get called so quickly on this? I think it's because what God is about to do, breaking into this world, is so large. And what the role that their son is going to have is so important. And the teaching and the foundation that that son is going to need is so important. God says, we can't go forward without believing. If you're not believing, we can't go forward. You've got to come to the place that when you hear from me, you've got to believe. And when you believe, you've got to act. There isn't room for believers who don't believe. When God says, this is the truth, this is the way, this is the path, we got to believe. 
Every once in a while, we may forget how important believing is. We may come to the place where we agree. We, we, we may come to the place where we think that sounds right. We, we may come to the place that, that, sure, that's fine. But do we believe enough to put the whole weight of our life on the fact that God is breaking in God has broken in. And God is now up close and personal in the flesh right before us. Let me pray for you. Our Heavenly Father, I do ask for your spirit to move and to stir amongst us as we reflect on your word and on your truth. Lord, thank you that you show up to unexpected people at unexpected times, in unexpected ways. Lord, I pray that we would be prepared to believe what it is that you've spoken to us. We pray this in your name. Amen. As we get ready to respond this morning, let me just ask you a couple of questions. What is God speaking this morning? Is there someone in your life that you're supposed to invite to church this week? Is there someone in your life that you're supposed to share your faith with this week? Is there a ministry that you're supposed to get plugged into this week? Is there something that you're supposed to be praying about? Maybe you haven't prayed about it in a long time. But our God remembers and you're supposed to be praying. Is there a relationship that you're supposed to be restoring? Is there a step of faith that you're supposed to be taking? Is there something that you need to confess and to make right before God? Is there someone that you're supposed to serve this week? Would you stand and would you respond?